for every relationship I've ever been in, there's probably a different reason. Okay. So I didn't like the way he breathed. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Coming up, the final episode of season two on It's Not Human Sexuality. Really, you probably should just be alone for a while. My personal opinion is if you feel bad more often than you feel good, then you might consider ending that relationship. Oh, like a cat playing with their food, right? That's just horrible. Because sometimes you, you feel it so deep right here. You don't get to say, oh, look, I'm back. I'm happy again. Because deep, dark times at night when you're sitting in that big bed by yourself and you're constantly reminded of the emptiness in that situation. There are reasons that you're doing this right here and right now. And those reasons aren't going to change a week from now when you're sad and missing that person. Mandy. Betsy. This is episode seven. It's our last episode of season two. Our last episode? Yes. Already? I know. Yep. Well, I'm Dr. B. And I'm Mandy Johnson. And you're listening to It's Not Human Sexuality, episode seven. Of season two. Yep. And what are we talking about today? Today we're going to be talking about when relationships end. Yep. So we've got ways to break up with somebody. All the things that can happen when you are faced with divorce. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. All we're going to talk about the stages of grief when you lose somebody. Yep. It's all there. Let's get started. Let's do it. So, um, you know, you handed me that article on how to break up with somebody gracefully, right? Yes. I think there's there's 10 steps, right? There are 10 steps. So, but before we get into that, we should probably discuss some of the reasons relationships end. My goodness, Betsy, there are so many reasons relationships end. Some of them are not real happy. No. Yeah. Like death of a partner. Yeah, that's not very happy at all. It's not very happy at all. But it happens. Absolutely. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on that because why are we not going to spend time on that? Well, there's a lot of other reasons that relationships end. And those would be? Well, I mean, I, I for every relationship I've ever been in, there's probably a different reason. Okay. So I but, didn't like the way he breathed. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Like, you know, they walk in the room. It makes you mad. That's, that, that's, that's a good reason. Sure. Yeah. It is. Relationships ends for a lot of reasons. Maybe you are incompatible with how you handle money. Maybe you're incompatible because somebody wants children and somebody doesn't. Maybe you like to spend your time different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Like you like to do nothing and they like to do everything, you know? So it's like the movie Ice Age. You're no fun. She's a lot of fun. She completes you. Kind of like that, you know? And for some of those relationships, that really works because, you know, it, it brings balance. But for some of it, it gets tiresome because it's just always one hand clapping. So those are those are some of the reasons that relationships end. How should you end a relationship gracefully? Gracefully is a darn good question. And um, this article that that I sent you called How to Break Up Gracefully by Mark Manson on markmanson.net goes through 10 different steps of how to break up with somebody gracefully. Yeah. But we need to spend a little time first explaining how do you know when it's time to end a relationship, right? Yeah. Because it's it's a big step. It is a big step. And one one of the things I tell my students, because I get a lot of students coming to me talking about their relationship problems and should I break up with them? Should I stay? What should I do? And um. One of the biggest things that I and and again, this is just my opinion. I'm I'm, you know, just who I am. So um, don't take my word as any kind of gospel. But to me, when I when I'm given these suggestions, I think, okay, 
how often are you happy versus how often are you unhappy? Yeah. Because of the relationship, you know, do you leave um, when you guys hang out together? Do you leave happy and feeling good about it and wishing you didn't have to leave? Or do you leave feeling worse about yourself and not good and maybe wishing you could have gotten out there sooner? You know, how how often do you do you feel good because of the relationship versus how often do you feel bad? And of my personal opinion is if you feel bad more often than you feel good, then you might consider ending that relationship. Right. And I and it's almost I hate to say it, but you could make a pro con list, right? The pros, the cons. Um, I think someone told me once um, I, you know, I, I was happy when he left the room and. I wasn't when he walked in. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, well, you know, there might be some flags going off there and maybe you should think about leaving. But for some people, and I think people maybe in general, leaving is difficult. Leaving is very hard, especially the longer you've been together. Right. And I think that this this person who wrote these 10 points on how to leave a relationship gracefully, the person that you mentioned earlier, Mark Manson. Mark Manson. Yeah. I think he he nails it. Like he he gets it. Maybe he's left a few relationships and he's perfected it because I really felt that these resonated with me on how to do this gracefully. So I'd kind of like to talk about the first two. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So the first one, 10 rules for breaking up gracefully. This is number one. Always do it in person. And if possible, don't do it in public. I like that. Well, yeah. Nobody wants their laundry hanging out, right? Plus, you don't know how this person's going to react, right? Yeah. They might go off the rails, and that would be really hard to contain in a public environment. So I definitely I, know some people that say, that's why I want to do it in public, <laughs> is so they won't go off the rails. Right. But, you know. But isn't I, that going to be embarrassing for both of you if they still do? Yeah. And I got to tell you, I think there are people that, even if they're in public, will go off the rails. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So I don't think. Doing it in public, it's a sure thing that they're going to behave. No. Especially if they feel blindsided, right? Yeah. And we should talk about that, being blindsided. Yeah, we should. We'll put a pin in that. Talk about it in a minute. The second one, never make a scene and keep your um, craziness to a minimum, right? Absolutely. Huh. Keep your crazy. I think that's a good rule for life. Keep your craziness to a minimum. (laughs) Sort of contain it, right? Um. For some people, that might be self-explanatory, but for those of you who it isn't, you know, it's like, don't drop to the floor and throw a tantrum like a three-year-old. Don't throw things. Don't yell profanities. I mean, you know, try to be reasonable and and adult and rational about it, right? Yeah. Use good communication skills instead of crazy communication (laughs) skills. Your inside voice, Mandy. Your inside (laughs) voice. Okay. Don't have an inside voice, Betsy. (laughs) Well, you can practice. (laughs) Rule number three is going to be don't try to make the other person feel better. And this is one that I really like because he goes on to explain that now that you've broken up and even before you broke up, their feelings are no longer your responsibility. It's it's not on you how they feel. You need to do what's right for you. And if what's right for you is breaking up, then bummer for them, really. Well, but not your responsibility to deal with. It's not. But I mean, think about it. Just... On the face value of the fact that you're breaking up with them clearly states that their feelings are not your responsibility. Yeah. Because if their feelings were your responsibility and you knew that breaking up with them was going to hurt their feelings, you wouldn't break up with them. Absolutely. Right. So that's a 
But I think I think a lot of people get stuck in that trap of trying to make somebody feel better. or You know, it's it's not you. It's me. And all oh, the yeah. same excuses you try to do to make that person not feel bad. But yeah. honesty is always the best policy. Yeah. I think I've actually said, no, it's you. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you were honest. <laughs> uh, step number four says after the breakup, respectfully cut all contact for a short period of time. You know, cut the ties. Just cut the ties. If what you're wanting to do is get this person out of your life, then get them out of your life. And if you want to be friends at some point, you can revisit that later. But let the the ties be cut so that nobody has any lingering hopes that, that this is going to be a get back together. Oh, like a cat playing with their food, right? Yeah. That's just horrible. And I think and I, I don't understand people who do this. Well, we can still be friends. Yeah, no, we can't. Like not right now, no. because especially rarely 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 do people go into a breakup and say are you digging it and the other person says no and the, and the other person says no i'm not digging it either and then you just sort of mutually agree to what is it uncouple right so you mutually agree <laughs> to uncouple and everybody's all happy and you sing a song and and it's all cool it's typically not like that no, it's, that's, it's that's like pretty some, rare pretty rare so why are you going to be friends with somebody that you don't want to date right I mean, again, maybe later in life, maybe you have a lot of history together or something, but right after the breakup is not the time to try to stay in contact and stay in touch. No, because it muddies the water and you just are not going to be able to think correctly. All right. So what's step number five, Betsy? Five. Talk to somebody about it, right? Yeah. You probably already have, right? You've probably talked to all your friends. They're sick of it. Like, do it already. You've probably have talked to, you know... The person at the toll booth, your coworkers, maybe even called your parents or, you know, an adult figure that you had growing up. Like, what should I do? What should I do? Because maybe you're looking for validation. Maybe you need, you know, that rah-rah people in your corner, like, do it, just do it, you know. <laughs> so they, they talk to somebody about it. And I think that's that's pretty solid, right? I do too, yeah. Because they're maybe going to help you phrase it better, right? You don't want to go off the rails, like. You know, like absolutely. Earlier, and and right. in some cases, maybe they're going to help you see that you don't actually want to break up, but oh. you're angry right now. Oh, yeah. And talk you off the ledge. Yeah. You know, because because sometimes you you feel it so deep right here. Yeah. But but it's not what you really want in the end. And sometimes right. the friend can help you realize that. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. they help you realize that. Yeah. You're not just mad. This yeah. Time it's over. Yeah. Either way. Either way. Talk yeah. to somebody. Talk to somebody. And six, you know, allow yourself to be sad, angry, upset. Don't judge or blame anyone. You know, I think when a relationship ends and like we talked earlier, you're going to do that pro con list maybe or whatever. It's you might get into this feeling of it's time to kitchen sink. Right. You know yes. what I mean? When I say kitchen sink. So kitchen sinking is like, and you remember four Throwing years ago. And yeah, in. like you left the pillow on the floor and I tolerated that. And, you know, and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't do that. Oh. And and so Try to not do that. Try to just be calm and resolved and um And and blame isn't gonna help you get through the through the breakup. Blaming oh. somebody isn't gonna help you break up with that person. It's gonna not gonna make the conversation easier. And in real life, every breakup involves two people. It does. It does. But let's not let's let's be honest here. I mean, sometimes, you know, in your head. It helps to blame. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, because it kind of gets you past that. But but you just don't do it openly. You just don't have to voice it. No. It's that inside voice. Yes. Like, that is the deep inside voice yeah. that you don't let come out. No. Because blame is ugly. Like, blame is just, 
you know, you were never there for me. I did all the work. Um, you, you scalped me for money. You, you were an emotional abyss. You know, I blame you for me losing my job. I quit my job and, tra- and traveled across the country for you. That's blame. I mean, that's ugly. I mean, there's no accountability. Like it's like Mandy was saying, there's two people in this relationship. Blame is right? what you do when you vent to your friends. Yeah. Blame is not what you do when you're doing the break up. Well, yeah. You know, like the previous episode where we talked about the, the, that little excerpt for New Year's, like how to re- ruin a relationship in seven steps. Yeah. Congratulations. You've ruined another relationship. And now you can blame. You can badmouth this person to all your friends and blame it on that person because you took no responsibility for the relationship. Yep. Uh, so step number seven is to recognize that the breakup itself is a sign of your incompatibility and you're both better off. And that one just reminds me of the book. Um, it's called a breakup because it's broken. Oh where, yeah. Where the whole thing just goes through like, remember why you broke up. Don't two days later, try to feel regret and get back together with them just because you're feeling lonely mm-hmm. and just realize that there is a reason so there's a episode of How I Met Your Mother where um, they after they break up with somebody, the, the main character, Ted, he likes to write a letter to himself the same day that oh, he breaks yeah. up with somebody. So that if he starts getting feelings of wanting to get back together with them, he can open this letter and it says, Dear Ted, remember these things. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I, I although it was a funny, you know, funny thing in a sitcom, I think there's some merit to that, to realizing that there are reasons that you're doing this right here and right now. And those reasons aren't going to change a week from now when you're sad and missing that person. Right. And I and that and yeah, maybe I shouldn't have laughed, but really, I think that's a great idea. It's it's probably the equivalent to Dear Diary. Yeah. Right. And so there's a lot of merit to that. I think there is just it's reflecting on on what what went wrong and and maybe it'll help you grow in your next relationship as well. Like realizing looking at that letter and realizing what what happened and what you don't want to repeat. Right. Because those who ignore their history are condemned to repeat it. Gosh, I've never seen that before. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Step number eight is to invest in yourself. Um, So after a breakup, one of the best things, especially according to this guy, that you can do is to to just do some self-growth and and not wallow in the pity of this breakup, but to to expand who you are and maybe try something new, make some new friends or or spend time with friends that you have have not spent as much time with since your relationship. Um, but to invest time in yourself, to making yourself a better person so that you come out of it stronger rather than weaker. Well, so, sometimes one of the best things I think people can do for themselves after a breakup is exactly that. Really, you probably should just be alone for a while. You shouldn't jump into another relationship. You shouldn't, you know, the rebound thing, right? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. The rebound thing is there's there's just maybe it's not fair really to the person you're rebounding with. Right. And it's not fair to you because you really haven't taken time to reflect and do that personal growth. Um, And if that means, you know, being alone for a while, then do it. There's a lot of these articles, you know, it's a new year, right? Turned the corner um, and people are there's these blogs out there. I think one I just read was I spent a year single and this is this was the outcome and how they enjoyed it. And it was perfectly okay. And, you know, they self-focused and, you know, moved their life forward and did took risks that they wouldn't have taken or tried new things that they wouldn't have. And, and so it was to them very beneficial and they didn't feel the need to couple up or, or be in a relationship. And I thought that was pretty healthy. Yeah. It's amazing what you can learn about yourself if you're not always with somebody else. Right. So moving on to number nine, we're looking at, only start dating again when you 
legitimately are excited to do that. What? But what if I peer pressure you and say, Betsy, why aren't you dating anymore? You should start dating. It's been enough time. Get out there. Yeah. Put yourself out there, Betsy. Just do it. Stop talking. (laughs) So, uh, you know, and I'm that person. I believe it or not. I know you, you don't think this maybe about me, which is totally cool, but I would be that person that would appease you. I'd be like, fine, fine, whatever. Like, oh, uh, we are the perfect person for you. And I'm like, probably not, but okay, whatever. And I would go along because it, for me, it would just be easier than just keep telling people I'm good. I'm fine. It's okay. I'm, I am I don't mind not having a date on Valentine's Day. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, so I would go along and then that would not be healthy. No, wouldn't be healthy for you or the person that you're trying to date. Okay. Remember when you said, end that relationship with your ex, don't be friends. Right. Right. Well, number 10 says, now, if you've had some time, you've cleared your head, you've got your footing, you're feeling balanced. Now might be an okay time to, you know, forge a friendship with your ex. Try to be friends. Try to be friends. The problem with that, though, is it'd be pretty easy to slip back into a booty call. Yes, it would. And then that complicates everything, right? Especially if that other person really still wants to be in that relationship. So even though he he talks about 10 being, you know, the trying to be friends with your ex again, I I would think, mm, I would tread lightly there. Well, and he does specify only after you know you don't want to date them anymore. But as you brought up, you might not want to date them anymore, but that doesn't guarantee that they don't want to still date you. Right. And so there you have those mixed messages and that's not okay. That's kind of cruel. And I'm kind of wondering, how do you know you don't want to date them again? You might not know that until you start spending time with them. Then whoops. And then you go, oh yeah, I, I grew remember. feelings again. <laughs> I remember why we broke up. Right. Yeah. So then you have to go back to that letter, dear Ted, you know. Remembering all these things. Yes. So that's a that's an interesting place to start with how to end a relationship gracefully. But I think I think it all comes down to being respectful, you know, and realizing that the person you're breaking up with was somebody meaningful to you at one point and and treating them like a like a human being given consideration and, and again, respect so that no matter how you're handling it, it's done in a way that's not the most hurtful thing you can do. Um, You know, there's that episode of Sex in the City where she gets broken up with on a post-it note. Oh, no. Or or through a text. Oh, no. Yeah. I had students say, well, I don't see a problem with breaking up with my significant other through text. That's how we did all of our communicating anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There's that. But the point is, is that I, so I would say, really? You don't think that's insulting? Well, not really. I go, oh, oh, how would you like it if your boss fired you through text? Well, and then they kind of look up. Well, that's not the same. Well, kind of is, right? Because that just tells me you don't have the decency or the respect or the courtesy or the courage to face the music about something that is not pleasant. Yeah. And that, to me, is a sign of immaturity. Oh, absolutely. I think breakups should be, if not face-to-face, then at least mouth-to-ear. Phone call. Phone call at the very least. At the very least. Absolutely. Yeah. But let's talk about um, when it's not just breaking up, you know, like it, it is break, you know, like when a relationship ends, that is breaking up. And we talked about these 10 steps. But if there's more involved, if you're legally married or you have a domestic partnership or something that is legal, yeah. right, that requires 
the law to get involved. Absolutely. So you need that legal document called divorce, right? A lot of people go through the stages of emotional processing similar to death and dying. Absolutely. Same five stages of grief when you lose somebody to divorce. Yep. And those are? Well, the first one's going to be denial. Yep. And then we've got anger, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance. Right. And I think what's important to understand is that going through these steps don't always go in order and they don't always go to completion. And they might cycle back. And they might cycle back and you might just get stuck in one area. Absolutely. And that is tragic, right? Uh, but I see a lot of people that um, really get stuck in the anger and resentment. Oh, yeah. Right? It's an easy place to get stuck. Sure. Uh, the denial thing is, oh, man, this can't be happening. This just can't be happening, right? Yeah. And then the anger and resentment is, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. Why right? are you such a jerk? Why are you such a jerk? I was there for you the whole time. And now suddenly, suddenly now you want to. You want to leave this marriage? You want to you want to get a divorce? Like so, there's the anger and the resentment, and then bargaining. Well, I'll tell you what. I, let's go to counseling. I'll do. I'll do I'll whatever. Change. I'll change. I, can change. I can change. What do I have to do to keep you around? You know. And sometimes bargaining. that bargaining is is you know, in your own bedroom when you're alone, saying it to to the universe, like right. just anything. I'll do anything. I'll do anything to make this go away. Yes. To make this not happen. You know. And then the, the, you know, the depression is, I am really sad. Like, I'm, I'm sad that this is happening. I'm depressed about it. I, I don't know how I'm going to move forward. I don't want to move forward. I, I'm really sad. Some people. I think a lot of people get stuck here, too. The sadness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it can lead to dis being despondent, right? Absolutely. Which is can lead to other really horrible things. Um, yeah, depression is not a good place to, to get stuck for sure. For sure. And maybe that's why the last step of the acceptance is, you know what? This happened. It, it went away. I didn't want my marriage to go away. It went away. Um, and, and acceptance doesn't mean you're happy about it. It doesn't mean you're dancing a jig. You might still be a little sad, but you've at least accepted it in a way that you might be able to move on now and you don't have to be stuck with those emotions. You can move on from said right. emotions. Right. And I just realized, though, you know, in talking about this, we were sort of talking about the person who maybe didn't want the divorce. We were talking about their viewpoint, mm -hmm. right? But if we flip that around and let's say, and we think about the viewpoint of somebody who asks for the divorce, they get... I think they, they go through these same stages. Exactly. Right. But I, I think that maybe some of these stages might be gone through for some people before they even say the words to their spouse or to their significant other right before they even bring it up before they say hey i want to get a divorce i want to break up this 15-year cohabitating relationship before they do any of that they've already gone through their denial and their anger and their bargaining and their bargaining and 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 trying to make it work or whatever and, and by the time they get to the point of saying it they're already at acceptance sometimes sure a really good point. And I think um, in, in looking at that, then you have, they can still be sad about it. Absolutely. But I think it's perfectly okay if they feel relief as well. Mm -hmm. Right? Because sometimes the most stressful part about making a life-changing decision that's going to disrupt somebody else's lives, it may even disrupt children's lives, is relief. Yeah. Because you've just said it out loud. Like you've just finally to put it all into perspective, put yourself first, 
and did it. And and I, I would even go as far as to say is that relief might be part of these stages for some people, even if they were blindsided, even if they weren't expecting it, and even if it was done to them rather than them being the ones that made that decision. I still think that sometimes there can be relief, and, and I think then people feel guilty about that. You know, they're they're already feeling sad and, and overwhelmed with a breakup, but then they realize, oh, I kind of feel OK about this. I, I feel a little bit relieved that the toxicity I was in was over or whatever. And and then they start feeling guilty on top of these other feelings they're feeling because they don't want to feel good or relieved about that. And I think I think that's a a really good point. And also, I think it's important that we remember that even though a relationship ends in divorce. It may not have been all bad. Well, and that, I think that's true with any kind of breakup, you know, that they're, they're just because it ends doesn't mean it was all bad. Right. It just means it wasn't good for you anymore. It wasn't good for you anymore. It wasn't healthy. And I think the interesting thing, you know, is, is that divorce is on the decline. It is. Yeah. You know, we used to say 50 percent of marriages end in divorce. That's a pretty old statistic. I think it's what at. 32% or, I, you know, I don't know. It dropped 18%. That's what I know. So wherever it was at, let's say it was at 50%. It's now 32. So it dropped 18%. And some studies say, well, we have millennials to thank for that, right? Because they're either not getting into that legal document we call marriage or they're delaying it, which we discussed in our previous episode, that the older you are typically when you get married, the less likely that this divorce will happen for you because you've you're, you're you're settled. You've right? done your growing and you're maturing and you're sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I got married at 19 to the to my high school boyfriend, I I feel fairly sure we would not be married. Uh, I can't say that for a fact, but um, I wouldn't be the, the person I am now. And if I were, we wouldn't be married. And not that he was a bad guy; he's a great guy, right? But it's yeah. just I was 19. Yeah. You know, you don't really know a lot. Very different 19. person than I was at 19. And unless you grow together in all that time, right. it's very likely you're going to grow apart. Right. So I think when we look at the divorce rate coming down, part of that is due to waiting. Yeah. And I think, and some studies have sort of implied that marriage equality has been a big player in this, that some of the states, before we had marriage equality, we had some states allowing same-sex marriages, right? Mm -hmm. Before it was a federal um, mandate. And those states actually showed- Saw a decline in divorce. Yeah. 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 So think about that, because people didn't feel the pressure to hide anymore, right? We had a more open- understanding maybe embracing society now don't get me wrong i don't i think we have a long ways to go before we've reached nirvana because i think we're still pretty heterosexually biased Absolutely. but um thank goodness we're this was a big step it was a big step and we're hopefully moving in the right this you know people are now on board with it and i think that may be one of the reasons why the divorce rate is coming down but it's still there and it's still a possibility and it's still legal and you don't have to stay in an unhealthy marriage because you have to make up some stupid reason as to why you're getting divorced like they did, you know, in yeah. my parents' age, right? Somebody had to be the bad guy and somebody, you know, there had to be something horrible happen instead right. of just saying, well, we're just gonna, we're just done. We're just done. But what if there are kids involved? That makes it a lot more complicated for sure. 
But and that's true whether you're married or cohabitating or whatever. Whatever. I mean, when there's kids involved, it, it changes everything about the breakup. It does. And I've had, you know, people used to say, especially my generation, that divorce ruins kids. And I'm like, mm, no, no. How the divorce is handled can really damage the kids. It can have a real big effect. Right, right. But I think for people to say, well, I stayed in the marriage for the sake of the children is a really bad message that we send to our kids saying, this is normalcy. This is okay. This is what you should strive for. I don't think that's healthy. And I don't think we should be role modeling unhealthy relationships for (laughs) our kids. That's that's not what we want them to to have. Um, that, yeah. <laughs> Perfect role modeling a bad, unhealthy relationship for our kids. So staying in the marriage for the kids is really just not a good idea. But well, I think I do think it's interesting because I've I've never ended a marriage with kids, but I've definitely ended relationships with kids. And, um, you know, the we were just talking about the steps to to breaking up gracefully and and not being friends with your ex. But when there's kids involved, suddenly that piece of things has to change Mm -hmm. because you might not be friends with them but they still have to be a part of your life you can't i mean unless there's something like abuse going on where they're you know where you're truly cutting ties and they're not allowed to see the kids or or something to that effect if there's kids involved and both the partners are still available you you have to make each other part of each other's lives you you can't just cut ties the way you would if there weren't kids involved and and you have to try to at least maintain some friendliness so that you can get along when you do kid exchanges or when you have the birthday parties or any of those things. The so weddings. The weddings. Uh, yeah, but I don't I don't think you have to maybe you don't have to be friends, but you do have to be civil. cordial and civil. And that's what I'm talking about affecting the kids. If you play the kids in the middle, if you're using your kids as a sounding board to badmouth their parent, you know, their dad or their mom. These things are damaging. Yeah, because they love you both. They love you both. And they want you to be, they don't want to, they don't want to be that. They don't want to have to console you. Right. Pick sides. That's not, it's just not okay. And so I think that Divorce can be done amicably. It can be done professionally. It can be done smoothly to where the kids, you know, are going to be okay. I hate to say it, you know, the more common divorce became, the less stigmatized these kids were in school, right? I, I seriously, I graduated in 1978 and I can tell you that when, especially in a small town, when a, a a friend or some kid you knew in school and you found out, I mean, everybody found out that their parents were divorcing. (gasps) Oh, I know it was horrible. Like they felt ostracized and damaged or something. It was just really horrible. Oh, really? You have, you have a blended family now or, you know, and now it's like, Oh, you don't have a blended family. (laughs) You know I mean? So I think, I think we've come a long way maybe in that regard. I don't think it's a good idea necessarily to just say, Oh, we should do it because we can. I mean, I think there are a lot of marriages that can be saved. Yeah. But I think there are some that need to go away. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have these laws. So divorce, um, it, it can be done tactfully. And I'd say if it can't be, get a mediator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And maybe you should anyway. You know. Because, yeah, just saying. So you don't, you know, have all your craziness come out at once. <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't make a scene. Don't make a scene. Don't show you're crazy. Yeah. So what about losing a partner to illness, to death? You know, unfortunately, not all not all relationships end because of somebody. Like it's not always somebody's choice. You know, and we were talking about um, the five stages of of grief, of grief, death and dying. And and of course, one of the ways to lose a partner is the the death of a partner. Right. Obviously, that would be horrible, especially if you you had what you consider to be a happy, joyful relationship, whether it was cohabitating, legal marriage, whatever, you know. And I I think it's important to acknowledge that um, this leaves a lot of people reeling. I mean, this is why Kubler-Ross came up with these stages, right? And I don't think we should discount that. I don't, you know, people would are really sad. I've had students younger than me who've lost their, their partner uh, to an accident, you know, or to cancer and they had young kids. Right. And so you, you think, how, how, how are they doing that? Like I try to imagine being in their place and thinking how, how hard that would be. I think people might be quick to say, Oh, you're young. You'll find love again. And they're thinking, what? That was my love. I don't, that's, I don't want to talk about that right yeah. now. I want to, I need to grieve. I need to be here for my kids. I need to be the strong one when they really need somebody to lean on. And, and, you know, hopefully they have a system around them to do that. But those steps, you know, th- those steps of death and dying are very, very real. And maybe they work through that and they get to acceptance, right? Yeah, this is it. This is what I've been dealt. I've lost my partner. I didn't, I feel robbed, but I have to move on. I have to be present, you know, because unfortunately, reality dictates that this will happen and this will end a lot of people's relationships. Yeah. Well, I think the important thing to remember about losing a partner to death is that people don't want to talk about it. Right. I mean, they they want to pretend that it didn't happen. They want to they want to wave this magic wand and 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 take away your pain. And they want to they want you to be happy again. Right. And and they want that person back that they knew before this accident, before whatever happened, whether it was cancer or it was suicide or it was um, a car accident. You know, they want that person back in their life to be whole again you know like for instance kids who lose a parent right they just want their mom they back want their mom was, back or their you know. dad back they want they want normalcy and it is not you can't you don't get to wave this magic wand you don't get to say oh look i'm back i'm happy again and life is good because deep dark times at night when you're sitting in that big bed by yourself and you're constantly reminded of the emptiness in that situation, you're not the same. You are forever changed. And I think it's really hard for people to accept that about your life, right? Would you agree with that? I would, yeah. Yeah, so I think when we we want to not talk about it. And I think people think, oh, you know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is so so long ago, but it isn't. It is solid. I mean, her her work was solid and it's spot on. And we really we need to acknowledge that and and have that use that as a guide, right, to help us process to get past what we're doing, this life changing decision we've made. In this episode, talking about it, it acknowledges that some relationships go away not by choice. 
right? But by circumstance. And and we don't get to control that. So Betsy, tell me about are there good things about breaking up or losing a partner or ending a relationship? Yeah, I, I think there are some very positive things. I mean, we talked about the stages of grief and management. And I think, you know, we sh- if you're doing this, you should visit those and, and work on each one. Read them, take them in and, uh, and work through them. And if you need help doing that, uh, there are a lot of good counselors out there. But I think it's also important to remember that if you are the one that is leaving a relationship, it's okay to... Because there's nothing better than living an authentic life, right? Living your truth. Living your truth. I wouldn't want to be with somebody who is not living an authentic life. I I wouldn't. It, it would be it would be like be living with a, a person who had no emotion. They'd be flat all the time. Yeah. And I would be walking around wondering why they're not happy, and trying to make them happy. And so I think the upside is living that authentic life. You know, working through it, being honest with yourself, with your partner, and moving on. Yeah, I, I think for me, the the ending of a relationship for a lot of people, I think, means growing. It means personal growth. It means reflecting on who you are and maybe what your role in that relationship was and how it ended, and 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 trying to be better than that, so that next time you go into a relationship you will have grown and learned from the experience. And, and like you said, you know, people who don't look at their history are doomed to repeat it. So so reflecting and, and growing from what you learned, I think is one of the best upsides of, of a breakup, even if it wasn't something you chose, um, regardless of, of how you, you ended that relationship, if it wasn't something that you wanted, it, there can still be benefits. There can still be upsides to it. Of course, because hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah. And I think sometimes we might think that this is not what we wanted. We didn't want this breakup. But then in hindsight, we actually might thank that person for doing that because it has set you free to live that authentic yeah, opened life. up to all the other possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's an important one. We have to talk about real things and real topics, and they're not always happy, but they are always real. And we hope that that helped you see that, and maybe you took away some stuff that was beneficial for you. So this is Dr. B. And Mandy Johnson signing off. Yep. Season two. It's a wrap. Thanks for listening. It's Not Human Sexuality is created in support of the Colorado-based nonprofit Look Both Ways, whose mission is to improve the lives of youth by imparting the knowledge and skills necessary to make informed decisions about their reproductive health. All content is created by reproductive biologist Dr. Betsy Cairo and human sexuality education teacher Mandy Johnson. We record at Redstone Sound in Loveland, Colorado with Chief Engineer Jeff Ratterman. I'm Hannah Copeland, this podcast producer. 